0: 18 plus. I'm Molly Kimball. Welcome to Fueled, a wellness and nutrition podcast. I'm a registered dietitian and nutrition journalist with a passion to help people live their strongest, healthiest life possible. In my weekly TV segments and columns, there's a limited amount of time and space to cover everything, but there's so much more to share. This podcast is my opportunity to dive deeper into the topics you want to know about. People all over the world have been drinking tea for thousands and thousands of years, and for good reason. There's plenty of evidence that drinking tea on a regular basis can have a lasting impact on our wellness. In today's podcast, I am joined by tea expert Mimsy Ladner. She and I will be diving into the surprising world of tea, going far beyond antioxidants. In addition to covering the hidden health benefits of tea, we'll also take a fascinating look inside the history of tea and surprising little-known facts like what's the best type of tea to buy, do's and don'ts when it comes to brewing or steeping your best cup of tea, even what to put in it and what not to put in it for maximum health benefits. So as you'll hear us talking about There are four main types of true teas. There's white, green, oolong, and black. And of course, green tea gets a lot of the hype for health benefits. But as you'll hear, white is crazy high in antioxidants as well. Black tea here in the US is probably the most common. That's what if you're going to a restaurant and you just get regular iced tea, that's black tea. So when we look at the four main types of true tea, white, green, oolong, and black, All of these are rich in polyphenols, flavonoids, antioxidants basically that have been shown to support heart health by reducing bad cholesterol, helping with blood clotting, also supporting healthy blood pressure, triglycerides. And studies have linked all of these types of tea to a reduction in risk for certain types of cancer, type 2 diabetes, combating inflammation, and supporting a healthy immune system. And tea of all types is rich in L-theanine. L-theanine is an amino acid that has a lot of benefits, including a reduction or a potential reduction in anxiety. It also helps to increase our alertness and our attention. So we'll also be covering herbal teas. And while herbal teas aren't true teas, and we'll talk about why, They do typically contain a blend of herbs, spices, fruits, or other plants. They don't contain caffeine, which makes them a fantastic option for hydration and all-day sipping. There's a bunch, tons and tons of types of herbal teas. All have their own unique benefits, ranging from improved blood pressure to better sleep to decreased inflammation, improved joint pain. And we'll be talking about all of these today. So I would like to welcome our guest, Mimsy Ladner, founder and owner of Gachi, a tea company that specializes in artisan-crafted tea sourced directly from small farms throughout the world. So welcome, Mimsy. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Molly. I'm honored to be joining you now.
0: So before we get into tea, and you know we'll share with our listeners a lot about, you know, there's so much surprising um, information about tea beyond just what we think of, oh, it's high in antioxidants. But before we even get into all the different things that we'll be sharing with our listeners let's talk about you and your background and how you started gachi cuz this is you, you or tell us first i guess about gachi and how this got started had you ever done anything like this before
1: sure so um you know as you mentioned gachi is a specialty tea company and um so my story kind of dates back about 10 years when I graduated from college and had this wanderlust, and just decided to pick up and move across the world from my small town of Bay St. Louis, Mississippi to Seoul, South Korea. And really ended up there on a whim just with an interest about learning about new cultures and meeting new people. And so um, when I moved to Korea, I started falling in love with the various acts, aspects of culture there, um, including tea. And the more I started traveling around Korea and um, other tea growing regions and countries nearby, uh, it became a hobby of mine. And so I knew that I always wanted to do something in tea going forward. And the more I was traveling, the more I had the opportunity to meet these growers that have been for generations growing tea. And so really got to experience what a good cup of tea tasted like. And when I moved back to America about two years ago, I decided that I wanted to bring those really special teas that have been grown by these um, farmers on these small farms to America.
0: And you were in a position to actually make it a reality because you had established you knew them. And I would imagine with some, you visited them multiple times and had established a relationship with them. So then yeah. did you reach out? How did you get it started? And and we should say, too, your background is in PR and communications. It's not in um, foods, f- the food industry <laughs> at all.
1: Correct. Yeah. So this was a totally new world for me and it was based more on a passion than, you know, anything else. Um, You know, like I said, I, every chance that I had while I was working and living in Korea and other parts of Asia as well, um, I took those opportunities to visit these small farms and to get to know these growers, you know, on a person-to-person basis. Um, I just feel like we have become so far removed from the food supply chain, essentially. So, you know, when we are eating something or drinking a cup of tea, we don't really think about the work that goes into producing that. And so, yes, I had the opportunity to go to these different tea farms, meet these people see exactly how these teas were being made and how much passion these individuals had. Um, So throughout the years, I established these relationships with these growers, many of them I kept in touch with. And so when I moved back and I started Gachi, it was just, it was a very easy transition for me because I had established those contacts. I knew which teas I loved and which teas I thought everyone else would love as well. So
0: and tell that's us what got, that happened. Tell us what gachi means.
1: So, gachi is the Korean word for together. Um, you know, I spent about nine years living in Korea, so it's a culture that's very near and dear to my heart. But the thing that I love most about tea and about tea culture is that no matter where you go in the world, there is some sort of tea culture that exists. Tea brings people together. So, whether it's through an act of hospitality, um, or as a means to do business. Um, it, it, it's a glue. And so it helps to bring people closer together. So I wanted to use the Korean word for together to essentially be what the concept of my business is all about.
0: And so you contacted these companies or these, these farmers, um, communicated with them that you're, you know, starting this company, and started importing the um, tea sourced directly from them. And then you, obviously, did you design your branding and and the how did you decide on all this and the containers? I mean, because you're. Um, I'll include the link to the website but if you wanted to say it for our listeners gachit.com Gachi so g a c h i t e a but we'll include it um, in our episode notes and we should also mention T is offering free shipping for our listeners just enter the code fueled at checkout so thank you for that but if you if you take a look it's it's beautifully packaged everything about it is just um it brings you peace just when you look at at the product and you look at the branding and the marketing of it, it makes you want to sip this tea. So how did that all come together from just even the containers to the branding?
1: Sure. Well, thank you for your kind words. Um, As you mentioned, my background is in marketing. um, And, you know, I just, I personally love minimalist designs. And so I really wanted to bring that into the, uh, the branding aspect of it. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the teas that I do sell from these small scale farms, they're so beautiful and they're so special. And so I really wanted to convey that through the packaging. Um, and in addition to that, you know, all of the teas come packaged in environmentally friendly um, Container, So they all come packaged in stainless steel tins, which, you know, not only help to preserve the tea and keep it stored properly, but it also helps to reduce waste.
0: So with that, and kind of going into the, the conversation around tea, um, as you said, you know, around the world, tea is, you know, a, a tool for togetherness, the glue that brings us all together. And tea is the second most consumed beverage in the world after water. Um, Talk to us about true tea um, and what makes it true tea versus herbal teas and kind of the big picture overview of this.
1: Sure. So in the Western world, we have come to use tea as an umbrella term for anything that can be steeped in hot water. But in the tea world, the term tea is used to describe um, the leaf that comes from the Camellia sinensis plant. So that is a plant uh, that grows all across the world, namely in China, but um, that is the plant that's used to create white tea, green tea, oolong tea, black tea, and basically what differentiates those types of tea is the process. So all of those teas come from one leaf. That said, anything else that can be steeped in hot water um, is referred to as an herbal tea or a teazon. So types of herbal teas that you might be familiar with are floral teas, so things like rose and lavender, or perhaps a spice tea or even a fruit tea. So those are quite different, but for all intents and purposes, we can just use the word tea to refer to all of these things.
0: So when we're at the coffee shop and someone orders a passion fruit tea, it's really more of an herbal infusion or a tisane, as you said, um, which I always called it tisane. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. spelled T-I-S-A-N-E-S. So I'm glad you said it first, not me, because I'm just <laughs> completely... I've, That's one of those, um, I see it on menus and I have probably said it at a restaurant or a coffee shop to someone. I'll take the, you know, chamomile to sane. But yeah, so the tisans um, or herbal tea and you'll see it or or herbal infusion. Um, When we're talking in a bit about, you know, health benefits of tea, those are typically not going to be in there. So for our listeners, if you've been drinking your... um, you know, peppermint tea or chamomile tea, there's other benefits of it, but it doesn't have maybe the antioxidants that we'll be talking about with the white or the green. Um, And so you're talking about that it's available throughout the world. And one of the things that you shared with me that I was really surprised, you know, tea, some of the largest producers of tea are, you know, places like China, India, but... It's around the world, but even here in Louisiana and in Mississippi. So tell us about that and I guess some of these locations and why we're starting to see more.
1: That's right. So about 99% of the tea that we consume here in America is actually imported. So like you said, China, India, Kenya, these countries are huge producers of tea. But as tea is becoming increasingly more popular, Um, Other countries are looking to get in on the action. So, as you mentioned, we are growing tea here in America um, in places like Hawaii as well as here in the South, and that's because the climate is perfect for growing tea. That said, it's still relatively new, and so, you know, American tea farmers are sort of learning their ways around growing tea and nesting and perfecting their processes, but it is becoming increasingly popular and more of an interest here.
0: And you said that you even have a guy that you know here in New Orleans who's growing tea in his garden.
1: Yes. So I sell a lot of uh, Gachi's teas at festivals and markets throughout the city. Not so much right now because of the coronavirus, but, um, I had the pleasure of meeting a tea enthusiast at the Fret street market here in new Orleans. And he invited me to his house to have tea and his tea garden is just incredible. He's been growing tea at his home in uptown new Orleans for about 20 years. And, um, makes his own tea as well. So it's quite unique. It's becoming a more popular hobby.
0: I bet that was like a really interesting experience, (laughs) you know?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it kind of goes back to the fact that tea really does bring people together. So, you know, complete strangers, even we instantly had something to talk about and, you know, a shared passion. So very much a cool experience and still friends to this day.
0: And talk to us about the, what it takes to make tea, because for him to make the tea from his garden and and make enough of it for you guys to share, um, you said it takes like a couple of thousand little tiny tea leaves to make a pound of finished tea. That's
1: correct. And so he actually kind of joked because, um, you know, he had just a small amount of tea leaves, but he called it the entire year's harvest, you know, and so he's really only able to get a very small amount, maybe a few cups from this plant and a few cups from this So place. you're
0: really fortunate that he offered you some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So lucky.
1: So That's,
0: honored for sure. I have this blueberry bush that we now have in our backyard and my husband calls it that. It's the harvest and it'll be like six berries and we had his family over <laughs> last weekend and I said, oh, wait, I have one blueberry for everybody. <laughs> I love so it. He said, this is her harvest of the week. So, yeah. So, so it takes a lot of tea leaves, 2,000 leaves to make just a single pound of tea. And so for that reason too, you know, it's one of the things that you keep in mind as you're looking at where you're sourcing it is how do these farms operate? How are the workers treated? What are the the social issues there or not? And so that's all that all goes into the process of where you've decided to source what you're bringing in.
1: Absolutely. So most of the tea that we consume here in America and around the world as well is mass produced on very large, what a lot of people refer to as factory farms, and so you know a lot of times in order to get the highest yields on these farms, there are a lot of fertilizers and pesticides and insecticides used, and um, you know a lot of times these places are more concerned about making a profit, and so the tea workers are a lot of times not getting paid. Uh, what they're supposed to be getting paid, and they're working in really squalid conditions, and and this is actually an issue that is plaguing the tea industry, um, and so you know if you think about it, you go into a grocery store and you buy a box of tea or a tin of tea for four or five dollars. Um, something really interesting is that only less than one percent of the profits made from that tea are actually going back into the pockets of the workers. So it's a very, very minimal amount, just a few cents. Um, so you know, it's a big issue. It's a, a really big issue. So keeping that in mind um, and understanding the backbreaking work that goes into tea production and harvesting tea, I really wanted to make sure that the tea is that I'm selling. Are sourced directly from farms that I've visited myself, so I know what the working conditions are like. What what is being used to grow the tea, and um, you know the the people that I'm working with, they're just so passionate. This is an art for them. This is, you know, not the most profitable work, but it's it's something that makes them happy. And and knowing that other people are enjoying their tea is, um, is something really great for them.
0: And on a, a similar note of you know one of the things that sets it apart of what you're bringing in and all, and also other tea companies that you support that do a similar approach, um, you're not going to see a bag inside of the can. You don't have the multiple bags it is loose leaf tea. And I think a lot of people don't really know what to do with that sometimes because we're so used to tea being, you know, like you said, it's, it's mass produced, it's sold in these bags and there's a bunch of different reasons not to have this. So tell us why, because this was, you know, I think maybe some people are aware of this. This was, um, a lot of this was new to me that I wasn't aware of of just how different and low quality it is um, for the most part if we're seeing tea inside of the bags. That's
1: right. So this commercially um, produced tea oftentimes is very low quality. So not only is it not being produced in the best types of conditions, but a lot of times it's including only the lowest grade of the tea. And so, you know, a good quality whole leaf tea is going to be using the young tea leaves, the bud, so the unopened tea leaves. And that's really where the Health benefits come in. That's where the flavor is. But a lot of these teas that are um, mass produced only containing what we in the tea world call bannings or the dust. So very low quality tea leaves. And a lot of times it's basically just um, the dust of what's left over from the better leaves. And so that is coming in the tea bags, which... You know, in addition to the fact that it's very low quality tea, if you're drinking this, you're not going to be getting the health benefits. You're not going to be getting the good flavors that you'd be getting with other higher quality whole leaf teas. But the tea bags themselves, um, you know, the, there have been a lot of studies in recent years that show that tea bags have millions and millions of microplastics in them. And so, when we're making a cup of tea with tea in a tea bag, those microplastics are being, you know, leached into the tea that we're drinking, and that's going into our bodies. So it's terrible for our health. It's terrible for the environment because it's additional waste. Um, so I always recommend to people to avoid the tea bags as much as possible. And then the last thing, and this is coming from a, a purely foodie perspective, is when you're brewing tea in a tea bag. Um, especially if it's a whole leaf tea, which a lot of times bag teas are not. But even if you're using a tea filter to brew your whole leaf tea in, uh, the tea bag is actually going to be constricting the tea leaf. So it's not able to open up properly. Therefore, you're not able to taste all of the the complexities, the nuances and flavors of the tea.
0: So if someone is going to... um go the route that you would recommend, that would mean that they're going to buy what's referred to as loose leaf tea. And tell us how how to steep it, how to, um, there's different options and kind of walk us through what those are. And visually, if possible, if someone isn't familiar with what that looks like.
1: Sure. So there are, as you mentioned, a variety of ways that you can brew loose leaf tea. So if you're a tea person or you really want to delve into learning more about tea, I do recommend purchasing a teapot. You can find an affordable teapot at a variety of stores. Keep in mind when you are looking for a teapot, the easiest ones to use come with a tea basket inside of it. So that way you don't even really have to filter out the tea. It's basically a a fine mesh stainless steel tea basket. So when you add the leaves into the pot and then add the water, it's just going to be filtered out when you pour it. Um, If you're not quite ready to make that investment to purchase a teapot, you can purchase what is called a tea infusion basket. And it's very similar to the basket that goes inside the teapot that I just mentioned. Uh, This usually stainless steel tea basket just slips right into your mug or your teacup, and it can be washed uh, very easily. But the great thing about these baskets, not only do they allow the tea leaves fully expand so you can enjoy a more flavorful cup of tea, but if you are brewing whole leaf tea, then you can actually get multiple infusions from the same tea leaves. So with a tea bag, you might brew it once and throw it away. But with a nice quality whole leaf tea, you can use these tea baskets to brew tea from the same leaves four, five, six times.
0: So don't be afraid of it. Don't be, you know, uh, turned off if it's not something that you're familiar with or you haven't used tea in this way. And having something like the basket or the um, little infusion ball, the little stainless steel, these are easy to find, and it's something that you can, you have some on your website, but it's also, you know, someone could look online or find it at a specialty tea store, but you don't have to look hard. You can do a quick Google search and you would be able to find it. And it's something that, again, you're reusing this over and over and over, so there's a lot less waste. And talking about um, kind of the history of tea, there's there's so much there, but we were talking about the the bags and the the. Bag for tea, you say that's actually it was an accident how this came about that it wasn't even intended.
1: That's right. Yeah, the invention of the tea bag was an accident, and uh, back in the early 1900s, I believe it was somewhere around uh, 1904, 1905. There was an American tea merchant uh, named Thomas Sullivan, and when he was passing out samples of tea to clients and potential clients. He had put the tea leaves in little mesh bags and um, not knowing that his clients were going to put the bag in their cup of water. And so thus the tea bag was born.
0: And I know you have, you have tons, you have so much about the history of tea, but what are some of your, I guess, favorite um, anecdotes? You know, there's, there's a lot of legends or, or myths maybe about how tea came to be, but what are some of your favorites?
1: Sure. Well, of all the legends, one of my favorite involves a Chinese monk um, who, you know, was on his journey to find enlightenment. And with uh, Buddhism, in order to reach that enlightenment, you have to continuously meditate. And for anyone that's ever tried to meditate, you probably know that it's not an easy thing to do. And so, as this monk, you know, 4,000 years ago was attempting uh, to meditate. He found that he kept falling asleep. And so he woke up once from um, his nap and he was so angry at himself. And And this is a little grotesque, <laughs> but legend has it that he tore his eyelids right off and then tossed them on the ground. And then in their spot grew the first tea plants. And then this magical plant allowed him to have the focus that he needed to continue meditating
0: so. and stay awake, but <laughs> he still right. was eyelidless. <laughs>
1: That's right. So yeah, definitely, um, definitely a big protest, but, but I, an interesting legend nonetheless.
0: I like it. And talk to us about the different um, cultures or preparations around the world, like uh, how we prepare tea here, you know, in our in the Western world. Varies, even if it's the same tea, typically how we're preparing it is very different than, say, in China.
1: Sure. So, um, yeah, lots of different brewing methods around the world. When uh, tea was first consumed back in China, it was actually steamed and pressed into cakes and bricks that, interestingly enough, were even used as currency for a while. Um, but then they begin evolving their brewing process Um, at a certain point, tea leaves were ground into a fine powder, which was then mixed with water. Uh, If you're familiar with matcha and how matcha is prepared, it's very Mm -hmm. similar to that. And actually, the Japanese learned of those brewing methods from the Chinese. And so that's one way. And then another interesting Chinese method of brewing tea is called Kung Fu brewing. So you hear Kung Fu and the first thing you might Mm -hmm. think of is Jackie Chan, (laughs) Um, but it's actually a Chinese term that means to practice anything to essentially become better at it and to become more artful. And so this includes the practice of brewing tea. So whereas in the West, we'll often, you know, have just a small bit of tea leaves and we'll use a larger amount of water to brew them, in China, they will use a considerable amount of tea leaves, maybe four or five times the amount of tea leaves that we use here and less water. And so this essentially allows the tea to be more flavorful and more complex. And then again, you're able to get many more infusions out of the same leaves. So I visited China a few times on my tea sourcing trips and traveling as well. And it's incredible because you can walk around these little areas where tea is grown and you see people drinking tea all day. They sit around, they might start brewing some leaves in the morning and they'll continue to brew those leaves throughout the day as, you know, friends come over, family comes over. Um, So yeah, certainly lots of different brewing methods around the world.
0: I'd like to pause for a minute to talk about Nutrafol, our sponsor for this week's podcast episode. So Nutrafol is designed to support the growth of thicker, fuller, healthier hair from the inside out. So y'all have heard me say before that when it comes to skin and hair care, I am a huge rules follower, I'm very consistent, and I follow the specific recommendations of my dermatologist. So when I first learned about Nutrafol, the first thing I did was reach out to her to get her feedback on it And she said not only does she recommend this product to her patients, she takes it herself. So, Nutrafol, it's a nutritional supplement, it's made with potent botanicals, it's 100% drug free. And think of it like this, in addition to the things that we can do that we have in our control, like backing off of damaging styling tools and heat and chemicals, supplementing with Nutrafol helps to support healthier hair from within. So it is possible to grow thicker, stronger hair. And you can also show support for our show, this podcast here, by going to nutrifall check out their website, nutrifall.com Use the promo code FUELED to get 20% off. And this is the best offer that they have available anywhere, plus free shipping on every order. So 20% off at nutrifall.com using the promo code FUELED. Again, best offer anywhere, 20% off at nutrifall.com it's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code fuel for hair as strong as you are so shifting gears a bit to talk about um the health benefits of tea this is something that you've told me that when you're sampling out gachi or used to be able to sample out gachi or at markets or you know talking with people you'll get a lot of questions about specific health benefits. And it sounds like people are kind of like, well, what can I drink for fill in the blank ailment they might have? Do you think that sometimes people's expectations are too great for what the beverage of tea can give them?
1: Well, you know, it's really interesting with how marketing in the food industry um, is carried out these days. And I know you did a podcast episode on this recently. but, yeah, people might see a study or an article or something pop up. then they see tea touted as an all healing superfood. And so, you know, immediately they they might think that it's an instant fix, um, which isn't really the case. But, yeah, I do get a lot of questions from people asking specifically, you know, what can I drink for improving my diabetes or what kind of tea can I drink to lose weight. So, people are certainly looking for tea that is functional.
0: And one of the things that you and I have talked about before too is you know, it's it's kind of like anything in the wellness and nutrition realm that like you said, there's marketing, there's a lot of hype around it. There may be this, you know, one study that media picks up and it gets a lot of um, airtime and then people see that and they think, oh, if I drink tea, like it will help control my diabetes. Well, it may if you're doing it in place of maybe these other beverages that you're drinking, you do it in place of the sugary drinks and you also change other things in your diet, but, it you know, you're not doing fast food, you're not doing the cookies, chips, soft drink t- route. But to to think, and I think a lot of times in the U.S., we have this mentality, I have this issue, I will add this product, it will fix it, you know, and it's, it's really not that. It's really, um, it's one more tool in the arsenal of wellness that we can bring into our lives.
1: Definitely. Because, you know, there's so much more that we need to learn about tea. There have been plenty of studies that have been done, but in my personal opinion, I feel like there's not enough to be able to say that tea definitively is going to make you a healthier person. Like you said, it is it is a tool, um, but, you know, you you have to be looking at other parts of your life and improving, you know, your diet, maintaining a regular exercise schedule, all these things. Uh, That said, tea is packed with natural antioxidants that have been shown to improve health. Um, Yes, green tea might be shown to improve certain conditions where white tea is more helpful for other conditions. But usually what I tell people is, you know, just find a tea that you like. Find a tea that tastes good because, you know, if you drink green tea and, and you don't like it, then you're going to be turned off by other teas as well. So explore, find something that you like that way it becomes easier for you to maintain the habit of drinking it.
0: And let's talk about the different types now. Um, I think this is a good time. So when we're talking about tea and we think about health benefits of tea, I think everyone's mind first goes to green tea. Um, because, again, there has been a lot of research there. That's where we see the most reports on it. Um, and there are really strong health benefits associated with drinking green tea. So tell us about the, the differences between white, green, oolong and black tea. You know, they're all from the same plant, as you said, but tell us how they're different, how they're processed and um, we can kind of talk a little bit about the antioxidant content and health benefits of each two as we go.
1: So white tea, as you mentioned, is the least processed of all the teas. Essentially, when a grower is making white tea, they will pick the tea and then leave it in the sun to wither and dry. So because of that, when you infuse white tea, it has a really lovely light color and a very delicate light flavor profile. Um, So because it is the least processed of all of the teas, it's said to contain the most antioxidants. Um a lot of people think that white tea is the least caffeinated as well among all the teas. but interestingly again, because it has not been processed very much that it does actually contain quite a bit of caffeine.
0: so it's a great coffee alternative for those who are looking for that lift and they they want the caffeine, but maybe not quite so much as coffee. So it can kind of be and, a nice little step down.
1: yes. Um, if you're strictly looking for caffeine uh, I find that a lot of people that are looking for a potential coffee alternative do tend to like something bolder in taste because coffee is so bold.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so this would be um, a little more mild. Exactly. And you have two types of white tea that you offer um, through Gachi. One I think is really well um, interesting it's little stars that are like the tea buds are tied into these tiny little clusters that look like little stars.
1: That's right. Yeah. So a lot of white teas um, will often just incorporate the bud or what I like to refer to as the baby leaves, the unopened leaves, uh, which are the most flavorful part of the tea plant. And then, you know, the top two or three leaves, which are also very flavorful. But yes, the Aquarius tea stars are a very special white tea from Sri Lanka, which is interesting because not many white teas are produced in Sri Lanka, but these have all been handpicked on this incredible farm uh, in the the Uva Highlands of Sri Lanka. And they have all been crafted and hand-tied into these beautiful stars that, in my opinion, are best served in a champagne glass way that you can really enjoy not only the flavors, but also the appearance of the tea.
0: And uh, also as you're listening, and if you go to Gachi tea and you're looking at these different teas that Mimsy is uh, sharing about, she also does a really great job of kind of talking about the flavor notes and so what to expect with it. Um, so it's also just a really fun read <laughs> as you go through there and you can you can learn a lot and she has images of each so you can kind of see what those little clusters of tea stars look like. So moving from white tea to green tea, kind of if we're looking at in terms of uh, level of processing. So green tea has been... Um, Tell us about that, how that's different from white tea and also in comparison to black and oolong.
1: Sure. So, um, you know, we talked about oxidation, right? And if you think about uh, an avocado, for example, if if you cut an avocado and you leave it out, over time it's going to be getting browner and browner, uh, which is essentially what happens with tea as well. Uh, Green tea is not oxidized at all. So um, it depends on which country you purchase your tea from, uh, because different countries have different processing methods to make green tea. So in China, the green tea will be um, pan fried to halt the oxidation, whereas in Japan, they'll tend to use a steaming process to halt the oxidation. So that also changes the flavors as well. Um, But again, because it's not as processed as say an oolong or a black tea, you're still going to be getting a good amount of the antioxidants, um, the caffeine and, um, the flavor a lot of times is going to be very vegetal. And so for some people, you know, the grassy flavors aren't necessarily what they're used to. And so it does, it is a bit of an acquired taste for some, but, um, It's, yeah, it's a great tea.
0: And with gachi, you have a lot of different options of green tea. And talk to us about matcha because you do, you have a matcha with gachi, but talk to us about matcha and how this is a type of a green tea, but it's very different than other types of green tea.
1: So a lot of green teas in Japan are grown in full sunlight but matcha is actually shaded a few weeks before it's harvested. And so because of that shading, it forces the tea leaves to produce more chlorophyll because they're not getting their energy from the sun. And so because of that, matcha takes on this really beautiful emerald color. So most green teas, loose leaf green teas, we make an infusion by steeping the leaves in the water, and then we will remove the tea leaves before we drink the infusion. With matcha, on the other hand, matcha is, as you mentioned, also a green tea, but rather than steeping the tea leaves, the tea leaves are actually ground into a fine powder, and we then mix that with water and drink it that way. So we are essentially drinking the entire leaf. Um, So because of that, we are getting higher concentrations of antioxidants. I've read some studies that say a serving of matcha has about 10 times the antioxidant content than a regular cup of green tea. Uh, You're also getting an extra boost of caffeine. So, you know, if you have a small little shot of matcha, you'll definitely be feeling it for a while. Um, but another component that is in uh, high concentrations in matcha is L-theanine and L-theanine is a natural component in all tea. But again, because you are drinking a concentrated dose of tea, you're drinking the whole tea leaf, you are getting more of that component as well. And so that essentially works with the caffeine to provide an energy boost that's very focused. So if you're drinking matcha or green tea or any tea for that matter, that chemical component is going to keep you from experiencing a caffeine crash or the jitters that you might get if you're drinking coffee, for
0: example. So when we look at health benefits of tea in general, it can be a nice replacer for coffee. and unlike coffee, which might leave us feeling jittery or our heart racing or having that crash, thinking of something like the the boost that we get from tea of being that lasting, sustained energy and focus.
1: That's right. Which is why, you know, matcha has played such a big role in um, Buddhism. And even, you know, people who practice meditation today turn to that because it does help you maintain your energy,
0: but it keeps it very focused. And matcha is something that we've talked about before on this podcast. Um, I did an interview with Dr. Andrew Weil and he has been a matcha advocate for decades. <laughs> and so um, it's a beautiful green hue. If you're not familiar with it, it's just a really interesting um, tea to experiment with. And Mimsy, let me ask you this. So we're talking about when you said green tea and it can be kind of a flavor that might take some getting used to for people. How do you feel about um, if someone kind of did havesies, for example? So if they took an herbal tea that they really like the flavor of, say, one of your lemongrass herbal teas, and mixed that with a green tea, and felt like you know adding that to it helped them with the flavor of it, is that something that thumbs up, or would there be a reason you would say not to do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's just about finding what works for you and, you know, your flavor preferences. Um, So yeah, definitely experimenting. I love encouraging people to try their own blends of Mm -hmm. tea at home, even if, you know, there's a spice maybe that you want to add to it. Mm -hmm. Um, With matcha in particular, you know, matcha lattes have become quite popular these days. Um, So I do recommend, you know, if the flavor of matcha in particular is is too bold, adding a bit of milk can help to round out those flavors. Um, I usually do recommend using a non-dairy milk because cow's milk does have a protein in it that inhibits the absorption of antioxidants. So if you'd like to be getting the health benefits from the matcha as well, consider using an Almond milk, or mm-hmm. cashew milk, or a coconut milk to sort of round out those flavors.
0: My husband has been loving his uh, matcha latte that he does with the frother, and he'll do the unsweetened yeah. coconut milk as as the milk in there. Um, and he that's kind of like his afternoon pick me up. And oh, it was yeah. really funny because he first had one at a coffee shop and he loved it. And he then he looked up the new or. Let's be honest. I looked up the nutrition facts. Of it. I said, <laughs> "He said it didn't." You know, he was t- t- going on and on about the flavor of it, and then and then he ordered some matcha tea because he wanted to start making it at home. And then when he made his, he's like, "Wow, this is so different than what I had." I said, "I have a feeling what you had at the coffee shop had like a lot of sugar." So we pull it up. You know, just the Starbucks matcha green tea, and it was just, you know. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was like a couple of like it, two days worth of added sugar in there. And I was like, that's why, that's how they lure people in. But it worked because he tra- tasted it. He really liked it. He got some and then, you know, he had to kind of experiment with it a little bit, but he's been making that and kind of found a way that he he likes it. So, and using something like the vanilla unsweetened coconut milk or almond milk can help add a little bit of that sweetness to it. Um, so... And that's also interesting about the, you know, just the small things that we don't even think about, um, switching what we add to our milk can make a big difference. Or you've also said before that adding something like a squeeze of lemon might help with the flavor, but it can also bring out the green tea's antioxidants, making it more available for us to absorb. So, and that might be sufficient for you. You might not need to add milk then if you did a squeeze of the lemon.
1: That's right. And, you know, I, I talked to a lot of my clients, um, and, you know, the teas that I sell, these really nice, high quality specialty teas, the way that they're made, they almost have, you know, like a natural sweetness to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are always very surprised because they do lack that bitterness. Um, so you're not said, fighting it
0: as much if you're using these high, higher quality teas.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So when we're talking about kind of going down our line of true teas, we talked about white tea followed by green tea and then talk to us about how those compared to black and um, oolong tea. So black tea is more oxidized uh, or is oxidized um, he- more heavily than green tea since green tea isn't really oxidized at all. And is oolong in the middle
1: there? That's right. So... They actually call oolong the chameleon of the tea world because depending on how it's processed and and how it's roasted, it can be very green in color, so very close to the green tea on the spectrum, um, or it can be very bold and and very dark in color. So um, there is a, a wider spectrum of oolong teas in between green tea and black tea.
0: And from the antioxidant perspective, all of these, when we hear about the health benefits of tea and we say, okay, I want to get these health benefits of tea. I've been, you know, I'm looking at getting these antioxidants. If you reach for white or green or oolong or black tea, all of these are going to have, you know, somewhere on that spectrum of antioxidant. Density. And if you reach for herbal teas, however, they don't. And so these are the ones that herbal tea, herbal infusions, um, as Mimsy, let me know it's pronounced Tissons. You may see that on menus or coffee shops. These are the ones that are chamomile or peppermint tea. Um, there's so many different versions ginger tea, hibiscus tea, passion flower tea there's definitely a benefit to these. And so we're not saying that these aren't good. And in fact, one of the things that I think is one of the biggest benefits of these is what you just said of, you know, people's taste buds. A lot of times someone wants you know, they're looking for something that's sweeter tasting and they may find tea bitter or more astringent than what they're looking for. But if it's the um, passion fruit tea or berry tea or peppermint tea, they, this is something that they'll find really palatable. And I'll have all the time, I'll recommend to clients that when you're looking for a way to stay hydrated and we want to get more fluids in you and we want to, you know, but they, they get burned out on water, instead of things that are artificially sweetened like crystal light packets that are just artificial food dyes and artificial sweeteners that people add to their water bottle, I would much rather make a picture of this and use this as your, quote, water through the day. And because they have zero caffeine, so you're really just getting fluid here that is flavored. (laughs) And so um, I think for that perspective, the fact that they are not true tea can be exactly the reason that from a flavor perspective, people can use them in place of something like these crystal light type flavor additions.
1: Absolutely, and you know we we talked a little bit briefly earlier about brewing tea and the vessels that you can use to brew tea. And so, a lot of times, when people think, you know, brewing tea, they think of it as being something that can only be enjoyed of hot. But you know, as the the temperatures are getting warmer and and we're craving something that's a bit more refreshing, all of these teas, regular you know, true teas as well as herbal teas, can be brewed cold as well. So that's something to keep in
0: mind. And talk to us a little bit about the health benefits associated with different herbal teas, Um, hibiscus tea, for example, and a potential benefit on blood pressure. Again, knowing that all of these are, you know, there may be a handful of studies that show and it's going to vary person to person, but what are some of the more common ones that people are turning to some of these herbal teas for specific therapeutic benefits?
1: Sure well, as you mentioned, hibiscus tea is an herbal tea that has been shown to reduce blood pressure. My mom in particular swears by drinking hibiscus tea um, just by incorporating you know regular amounts of it into her diet she's been able to cut back on a lot of her blood pressure medications um, you know with all of the the coronavirus anxiety that many of us are experiencing. Teas, uh, herbal teas, such as lemongrass, can have anti-anxiety effects. They're very calming and very warming. Chamomile, passionflower, these are great for sleep. Um, So, you know, a lot of people are beginning to look at herbal teas as natural remedies rather than having to take pills for certain conditions.
0: And something like peppermint tea, which can work well for an upset stomach, um, even things like IBS, some people can benefit from peppermint tea. Yeah. Um, know. And then there's a tea that I, or ginger tea, of course, for like a morning sickness or um, indigestion. Um, there's a tea by a company called Traditional Medicinals and it's called Throat Coat Tea. Mm-hmm. And that's something that um, before I'll take and this may make you cringe um, because it comes in the bag and everything else that we just talked about what not to do. But before I would take any type of medication, if I have a sore throat, a cough, I'm drinking that throat coat tea because it does exactly that. And there's licorice in there and this tea and there's uh, slippery elm and there's willow bark and there's all these things in there that are very soothing to a cough, for example. And so... Um, again, that's not a true tea. It's all these different herbs in there, but it's it's very functional, at least for me <laughs> in those. Um, for sure. But yeah, so with herbal tea, it's not to say that, oh, there's no benefit of these because they don't have antioxidants. Right. They don't have the, the antioxidants that these other teas have that we talked about. They also don't have caffeine though. And they may be um, something that people can drink more of through the day, especially if they're having a hard time just drinking plain water. This can help out. And then earlier we talked too about, you know, kind of what are you replacing it with? And so if you've been drinking an abundance of sugary drinks or artificially sweetened things that you're putting in your water or a bunch of coffee or whatever, and you're able to replace that with something like herbal tea that's going to put you many, many steps ahead health-wise. So there's a lot that can be said for these herbal teas. And the last thing I think on that too is the ritual that goes around drinking any type of a tea and having that you know that period of time that you're waiting for the tea to to steep and you're enjoying it, you're smelling it, you're having that aroma, you're sipping it. Even if it's something that you're doing in the middle of a very busy day, just those few... Moments of tuning in to that process can be relaxing and help our um, you know, have that health benefit from simply making us press pause for a few minutes.
1: Yes. I mean, for so many of us, we our days just fly by, and a lot of times we don't even realize it. You know we we leave to go to work and then before we know it, the day is over. And um yeah, just being able to take a few minutes to mindfully prepare tea and enjoy it Um, because when you do prepare it, you know, you take the time to focus on, you know, getting the right water temperature and brewing it the appropriate time. And, and like you said, you're, you're taking those moments to look at the color and smell the aroma and actually taste it. It, it does something to our minds where it just keeps us, I don't know. It calms us. It provides a bit of extra focus. Um, it's, it's a meditation of sorts.
0: So let me ask you this. You mentioned your mom is like a really like, uh, avid drinker of hibiscus tea, but, uh, Gachi, you don't have a Gachi tea that's hibiscus, correct? Correct. So what do you have her do for her hibiscus tea? How does she get that fix?
1: (laughs) So there's actually a organic farm that is located in Mississippi and they do a really lovely hibiscus tea. And um, yeah, all of their growing practices are completely organic, um, which is, you know, another thing that you want to look for when you're buying tea. Um, And I do want to make an additional note on choosing organic teas uh, just because a tea brand is not necessarily certified organic doesn't mean that the tea is not grown sustainably or organically as well so for example a lot of the the farmers that i work with they are very small they're very they're family owned and so they don't necessarily have the funds that they need to
0: buy the certification mm-hmm. it's $10,000 to be certified. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's that's, ridiculous. you know, I think that same note carries over if you're at the farmer's market and you're looking at produce, it might not, it's almost never going to be certified organic, but they're using organic practices. What is the name of the farm, um, the Hibiscus Farm in Mississippi? Because we may have people asking and I'll include it in our episode notes.
1: Sure. It's PJ Farm.
0: PJ Farm. Okay. Well, and
1: we'll they do... That. They do have an online shop. They sell at a lot of local farmer's markets on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, but they do have a shop where they sell their hibiscus tea.
0: Great. So if you're following in the path of Menzie's mom, who's her daughter has a phenomenal tea company and she chooses to still do hibiscus, which you don't have yet, then we'll have that link. So if someone is... Working on it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes, that's how it always is with our parents. They were like... ah we've got all this and then you're doing this, but you know, we can always, we can guide them so far. Um, That's right. talk mm-hmm. to us about cooking with tea and kind of some, some of the creative things that you've, you've seen chefs do or things that are common in baking or, uh, sauces, all of this that how, how we can use tea.
1: Sure. So tea is becoming an increasingly popular ingredient in the food world. Um, A lot of hotels are hiring certified tea sommeliers to help them pair tea with certain foods, um, but then also incorporate it into specific dishes. So I was watching an episode of what I believe was Chef's Table France on Netflix recently and was really surprised to see that there is a restaurant in Paris um, and every single item on their menu has some sort of tea that is a component of the dish, which I thought was really cool. Um, Back in December, I worked with a James Beard-nominated chef in Ocean Springs, Mississippi to develop a really unique tea-inspired pairing. And so we chose a selection of Gachi's teas, and then he used those same teas as an ingredient in four different courses. And so he took, um, one of my teas, it's called Holy Smoke. It's a Lapsing Souchong black tea, which is a smoked tea. And he actually used it to smoke, um, duck. He used it as an ingredient. So it had this really incredible flavor component, smokiness, sort of a leathery earthy flavor that was added to the duck, um, so it can be, you know, tea is being a, an ingredient used in that way, but also for baking as well. Um, if you ever get the chance to go to Japan, you'll find that tea is used in all kinds of things, you know, from ice cream to cookies, to even noodles. So matcha of course is probably the most common ingredient that's found in, in snacks and baked goods in Japan. But now you know, around the world as well, but um, other types. So, genmaicha, which is a green tea blended with rice, hojicha, which is a roasted green tea. So, these are all becoming more popular flavors throughout the world, not just as a tea, but as a cooking ingredient as well.
0: And we'll actually, uh, Mimsy has a couple of different links of really cool sweet and/or savory ways to infuse recipes with tea, and so we'll link to. Um, at least one, maybe a couple of articles there that'll give our listeners some ideas too of like what we're talking about. Cause it sounds, you know, you don't have to be this like crazy talented chef in order to use these things in your dishes at home. You just kind of need to know how to do it. And so we'll include some links to, to give y'all some inspiration there. So Muzi, is there anything else, any kind of final takeaways you would have for our listeners on, Um, the mindfulness of tea or the sourcing of it or the health benefits of tea?
1: Um, So I guess it really just goes back to, you know, don't be intimidated by tea. There are so many different types of teas that are out there. Um, And when you really start getting into it, you're going to find all kinds of flavor notes and, you know, different processing methods and, and just don't don't be intimidated by it. Tea is so much fun. It's a great tool to inspire conversation among friends, among family. Um, It's a wonderful tool to help you better connect with yourself and, um, you know, stay focused as you need to. Um, So just, yeah, don't be intimidated and don't be afraid to experiment, whether it's trying new flavors that you might not be used to or experimenting with cooking or making your own tea mocktails. Um, It's just, it's fun. It's really fun.
0: I love it. And if you've been in a rut and you've been using the same type of tea or you haven't been drinking tea at all, but this has you inspired, um, we'll link to Mimsy's website. As I mentioned, we'll have some of the recipes there that use tea. Um, And we'll have some things on social for y'all as well to hope kind of hopefully give you some inspiration and um, guide you down that path. So, well, thank you, Mimsy, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Molly. A huge thank you to Mimsy for joining us today. There's so much to learn about the world of tea. And as mentioned, I'll include the links that we mentioned in the show notes of this episode. And don't forget to use the promo code FUELED at gotchetea.com for free shipping. Thank you all for listening. I am registered dietitian Molly Kimball and you've been listening to Fueled Wellness and Nutrition, the podcast. If you would like more Fueled Wellness and Nutrition, please head over to mollykimball.com and you can follow me, Molly Kimball RD on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and join us next week for another dose of Fueled Wellness and Nutrition. Thanks for listening and stay focused on living your strongest,